Welcome to How to Pretend to Like Sports. I'm Monica Woodhams, former D1 cheerleader, well, just my first year in college, who is still game day obsessed. Even when friends joked I was just pretending to like sports, I've always loved the community and excitement that comes with going to games. And let's be real, I love picking out a game day outfit. Join me each week as I share current events, conversation starters, and Obvi discuss the latest outfits that the F1 girlfriends are wearing. I'm giving you everything you need to know, no binge watching required. Hello, and welcome to episode 90 of How to Pretend to Like Sports. I am your host, Monica Woodhams, and it is the week of January 12th, 2023. We are officially seven days away from my 33rd birthday, which is wild. I don't really know how to process it right now. I will say, I feel like my odd birthdays or like when it's odd years falls under the same because I was born in 1990. Anyway, I feel like odd years are always my best years. I don't know why. And maybe I've just decided that in my brain and that's why, but that's exciting. I've also fully gone down the lucky girl syndrome TikTok rabbit hole. It works. Basically what it is, if you haven't fallen down that rabbit hole yet, is that you just look and have the mindset that every day you're, something lucky is going to happen. And honestly, I think it works. I truly believe in the power of mindset. It sounds silly until you do it. And then you're like, wait, I can actually choose what perspective I'm going to have on something that is occurring in my day. And obviously there are some things that you can't pretend like they're good. Like there's inherently things that you have to process and whatever. But when it comes to your day-to-day, your normal routine, going through the motions of the day, you can choose, is this just like the most boring day of my life? Or am I looking for things that are more interesting? In today's episode, we obviously have to talk about the college football national championship game, which I did end up going to. As you probably have heard, the game was not great if you're a TCU fan. I think the final score was like 65 to 7. And I'm not even going to fact check that. It was in the 60s and TCU definitely only scored seven points. But before I get into that, so today we're going to talk about the TCU game, my thoughts on the future of TCU football, some NFL news, like the Chiefs' bizarre ring around the rosy play. I have thoughts on that. Um, Derek Carr is leaving the Raiders. Sean McVay, who's the head coach of the Rams, is showing signs of burnout, and he might be stepping down. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs, what a wild card game is, because I had to Google that. And then we'll go through some college basketball, top 10, and some notable games that are coming up. But first things first, let's talk about the TCU game. Let's break this down into two parts, before the game and then the game. So the game was in LA, which was great. I lived there for three years, so I feel like I have a good grasp on the city. So it's just always fun to go back. And we stayed in Beverly Hills, great location, right between like Beverly Hills and Westwood. So like right at that edge. So that's always a great spot. My friends and I got there on Saturday and first thing Saturday morning, my flight got in at like 8.15 and it was nice out. So we got to bop around. We went to the farm for lunch slash brunch which is always one of my favorite spots. If you haven't been, it's just like your standard brunch lunch spot. There's nothing fluffy about it. It's just, you're gonna get like a good omelet or a good burger and some really great people watching or car watching, which my friend's husband was all about. The people watching too was so funny because 
it truly was just like all TCU people everywhere you went, which is really insane because even if you're in Texas, you don't see that many TCU people because TCU is just that small of a school. There's only like 10,000 students a year, so there's not that many alumni. So it was really funny to see them all concentrated in Los Angeles. And it wasn't just when we were bebopping around Beverly Hills. We went to Santa Monica because the pep rally was in Santa Monica. And that was absolutely wild seeing the Santa Monica Pier. Every single person was wearing purple. It was so funny because people are yelling like, go frogs. And, you know, everyone's wearing purple. And I was like, oh my gosh, these like European and Asian tourists must be so confused what's happening right now. And to add another layer to it, you know how whenever you go to those tourist spots, there's always that person who's like either preaching or they have like a speaker situation happening and they're like sharing some crazy Christian conspiracy theories. So that was going on at the same time while obviously TCU has Christian in the name. So I'm sure anyone who didn't know what TCU was and that this game was happening, maybe like, again, like some European tourist is probably like, What cult did I just walk into? But it really was so cool to see TCU taking over LA. People were just running into each other, running into people that they hadn't seen in a long time. No one was a stranger. And it was was a really cool experience. And especially leading up to the game, no matter where you went, it was just an experience that you truly know that you're never going to have again. Or maybe we will. But as it stood, especially after the last game, that it kind of feels like it'll never happen again. So we ate well, had a little too much Air One, and spent too much money on smoothies, but, you know, went in L.A., and now I'm fully trying to replicate the PB Blast smoothie from Air One because I hate how much I loved it and am now craving it. But we had good sushi, good lunches, good breakfasts, We went to the Getty Villa, wandered around, went to the Brentwood Farmer's Market and had our little goop moment. We really lucked out that the weather was great and we just got to bop around the city. However, when Monday rolled around, we woke up to rain and cold, but we were still like, it's LA, it can't be that bad. But we did gear up for the rain because we were going to go to the tailgate before the game and I was not about to miss that free Kelsey Ballerini concert that was happening at the tailgate so we had our raincoats busted out the trusty sorority Charles River raincoat took it out of the archives and that definitely felt like it would be enough but it wasn't because it decided to torrential downpour literally all day and if you watch the news you will see that literally Southern California ended up flooding but We are still in great spirits. We think it's going to be a close game. Absolutely no idea that what's about to unfold at the game is going to unfold. Once we got to the stadium, we did decide that we were going to opt out of the tailgate and just go in straight to the stadium, which was a great move because we also got to explore SoFi Stadium, which we hadn't been at before. And it has been high on my list to go because it really is such a nice stadium. And the food is actually very good for stadium food. We went to the little pro shops, stocked up on merch, bought a little too much merch for the outcome of the game. I was unpacking and I was like, great, so glad I have all these sweatshirts, two sweatshirts and hat and scarf and whatever. At the end of the day, like again, 
this was truly a game to remember, so it's fine. And if, like, in the rare chance that we had won, I would have been really annoyed that I hadn't gotten the merch, but I definitely spent, like, my life savings on merch. Why am I such a sucker for merch? Why is merch always so expensive? It's insane. Why do I feel the absolute need that I need a mug from anything I go to or I need a t-shirt from anything I go to. My mom thinks this is the most American thing ever that everyone needs a shirt from every occasion. She thought it was truly psychotic how many t-shirts you end up with by being in a sorority. And she's not wrong, but was I ever going to turn down a t-shirt? Absolutely not. So the game starts and we're mostly in a TCU section. It's kind of like the tail end of the TCU section and then slowly became the Georgia section after us, which thank God we weren't like fully in the Georgia section. But the guy in front of me was driving me nuts. He was just like so animated, especially when like TCU did something right. And he was wearing swim trunks, like Georgia swim trunks, which just really bothered me because why like, Oh, why do you have to wear swim trunks? Just wear normal shorts or pants to the game. Like, I don't care how big of a fan you are. Like, wear clothes. Swim trunks are not clothes. But then someone said that Georgia fans are actually known for not even usually wearing shirts. So I guess it could have been worse. So if you didn't see the game or you did see the game, all there really is to say that once it was halftime, it was pretty clear the direction that the game was going. It was a combination of TCU definitely not playing their best because that was not the same team that played against Michigan, just energy level wise, I think. But also they were playing against a stacked Georgia team. And you can especially see this in person, just the difference in the size of the players. The players on Georgia were literally like double the size of the TCU players. It was absolutely wild. I think the best way to describe this game was essentially an NFL team playing against a college team. And I remember a few months ago, I was listening to Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey's podcast, New Heights. And I think a fan had written in or someone had tweeted asking, could a really good college football team beat a really bad NFL team? Travis Kelsey pretty unhesitantly was like, no, because an NFL game is just that huge of a difference in level. So whether it comes to pace, the experience of the guys, their size, all of that, even if it's a really bad NFL team and a really good college team, he felt pretty confident in saying like, no chance, the NFL team is definitely going to win. And I really think that Monday's game kind of reflected that because Georgia's team, they they did have the faster pace. They did have the more experienced player, especially playing at that level of a game. Like they had literally last year, most of those players had gone to the national championship. So it wasn't as foreign of an experience, as new of an experience as it was for the TCU players. And speaking of experience, Georgia's quarterback, Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett the fourth, as his jersey points out, of course he's a fourth or whatever, but he's 25 years old. That is old for a college student. If you went to a college party and there was a 25 year old there, you'd be like, this is weird. 20 When you're, you're in college, 25 years old sounds 
old and like you have to have your shit together and all those things now once you get to 25 years old you're like wow that was really wrong I know absolutely nothing and maybe know even less than I did in college because I thought I knew more in college but he's 25 years old even if he wasn't starting each year you know that is still years of experience and composure and maturity think about this in terms of a job you probably did your job a lot differently when you were 25 than when you were 19 and let's say it's the same job imagine you have the same exact job you had when you were 19 and when you were 25 night and day difference what that's gonna look like so how did Stetson Bennett get to where he is at 25 years old so basically he walked on to the Georgia team back in 2017 2017 we're in 2023, I almost said 2024, but 2023. So he went and walked on the Georgia team in 2017. He then transferred to junior college in 2018 and then transferred back to Georgia. And to put that in more perspective, he's a year older than one of the Bills players who was drafted in 2018 and has wrapped up his fifth professional football regular season. He's also the same age as Josh Rosen, who is on his seventh NFL team. So that's not necessarily like, obviously, seven teams, seven years. But still, I mean, he's on his seventh NFL team and this dude's still in college. Once we got to halftime and then well into the third quarter and really saw the state of the game, we decided just at the end of third quarter to leave so that we could get a car and like miss some of the traffic. Every other TCU fan pretty much had the same idea, which does suck that like not all of us stayed through the end, but also SoFi Stadium in the rain is a shit show. People were slipping left and right on the wet cement, including myself. I don't know how more people didn't get hurt, especially there were a lot of older people there. So that was not great. But anyway, we decide that we're gonna call an alto. So I call the alto on my phone, or like make the reservation and we decide to start walking out of the stadium literally the second we start walking out of the stadium it just torrential downpours and i when i say torrential downpours when i had my phone out it was raining so hard that i basically couldn't use it because all the raindrops were so hard it thought that that was my fingers touching the screen and at one point it even just signed me out of the alto app because it thought that it was me trying signing out, but it was really Raindrop signing me out. So we're like, okay, we're going to walk further and further past the stadium. That's our best bet. And the Alto guy is like, I have no idea how I'm going to get to you. You need to get as far away from the stadium as possible. Mind you, it's not only torrential downpouring, but the stadium is also in Englewood. And it was nighttime. Honestly, that was like the least of our worries because we're just sopping wet and... The game was awful and we just wanted to get back to the hotel. However, two of the guys in our group actually had a flight back to Dallas right after. And so we were like, okay, well, when we get a car, we'll just drop y'all off at LAX first and then we'll go on to our hotel. Well, we keep walking further and further past the stadium. At this point, it seems absolutely hopeless that the Alto is going to find us. So we also call an Uber, but that seems just as complicated. But we finally find a parking garage where we can just stand and not be in the rain and collect ourselves. And I jokingly was like to the two guys who had to get on their flight, I was like, 
honestly, if we have to keep walking further and further, you might as well just walk to the airport. And I was definitely joking, but they definitely ended up doing it and walked in like the torrential downpour. At this point, LA is starting to flood. So we were walking through like two to three inches of water and they had to get on their flights sopping wet. I don't envy them at all. And they were even playing spirit, which I mean, what a flight experience that is. But thank God we were able to walk just two more blocks up and the Alto found us by some miracle and went to the hotel, ordered a ton of pizza, garlic knots, all the things, and ate our feelings. And it was wonderful. Overall, though, like I said, I don't regret going at all. It really was a once in a lifetime experience. And even the next day at LAX, all the TCU people were in like pretty good spirits. My flight was basically all TCU people going back to Dallas. There was really no reason for us to even stop in Salt Lake. It was one of those Southwest flights where you don't get off the plane and pretty much no one got off the plane. But everyone was chatting with each other. No one was a stranger. And it was kind of the definition of we're just happy to be here. And I was talking to my dad about it yesterday because I was like, I know fans of other teams where they can lose a regular season game and it is the end of the world for them. And they're grumpy for like the next five days. For the TCU fans, we weren't grumpy. We truly were like, well, we're really glad we got to do that. And the point that my dad brought up is that a lot of fans for other teams, the ones where they will be grumpy just after a regular season game, is because they feel entitled to win. TCU doesn't feel entitled to win. This is truly something that was very exciting, out of the ordinary, and we didn't come in with it just expecting to be there. The whole season, I would say, obviously would love to be there, but not entitled to it by any means. And I think that really says a lot about the TCU fan base, and it makes my heart happy. So my thoughts on the future of TCU football. My immediate reaction on Monday was like, oh my God, we are never making it to this again because the CFP college football playoff voting people are never going to vote us into a spot where we would end up in the playoffs again because it was like, I mean, it wasn't a great game to have televised because it wasn't close and people were just turning it off. But what I realized when I took a step back from that is that starting 2024, the college football playoff system is going to a 12-team tournament bracket situation. So so if TCU performed very well, let's say they performed basically as well as they did this past season, they wouldn't have to rely on a vote in being in the top four to make it to the playoffs. They would have to be in the 12. And then from there, if they just kept winning and winning and winning, then they could still end up in the national championship regardless of anyone voting and being like no one in the big 12 deserves to be at a national championship game because their conference is not the SEC. That is good. That is something to be optimistic about. Leading up to the championship game, there were also a number of SEC transfers from Alabama, LSU, who are going to be transferring to TCU. So that'll be good as well for recruiting. One of the cons though, which this happens with a lot of teams when you do really well, is that the coaching staff 
gets promoted. And usually when you get promoted, you get promoted to other teams. So for example, I just found out that TCU's offensive coordinator is going to be moving over to Clemson. So I was kind of like, that's a bummer because he was only here one season and it was a really great season and he's a great, but at the end of the day, that does open a spot for an up and coming offensive coordinator who wants to go to a program that just went to the national championship. Someone, someone good will be coming in his place. Now, on to the NFL. I didn't watch the Chiefs game because I was in LA, but I was kind of looking at updates on my phone and then all of a sudden I see, I think it was on Instagram, a clip from a play that had just happened. And it started out with the Chiefs offense in a huddle. And then all of a sudden, they start running around in a circle, like ring around the rosy. And then the snap goes to, not to Mahomes, it goes to Jarek McKinnon. And then he pitches it to Mahomes. And then Mahomes throws it to Tony. And thank God they scored a touchdown because how much of an idiot would you look like if you did, quote unquote, trick play like that and did not score? I feel like if they had mess that up, Andy Reid would be like, we're never doing something like that again, because that would just be embarrassing. Now, this falls under the category of like, kind of surprising, kind of not. Derek Carr posted on Instagram that he is going to be leaving the Raiders. The Raiders did not have a great season this year. They finished 6-11. and 11. At one point, Derek Carr was benched from a game for the first time in his career with the Raiders, and his whole career has been with the Raiders, and that was really significant. That was significant, and then at one point during his press conference, he got really emotional, and he was talking about the state of the team and his role with the Raiders, and he was tearing up. So I think those are two significant things that happen that make this seem not surprising. I think what makes it seem surprising is just the fact that he has always been with the Raiders, and Derek Carr and the Raiders is almost synonymous at this point. But here's what he wrote. He wrote, it breaks my heart I didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye in person. We certainly have been on a roller coaster in our nine years together. From the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful and appreciative of the years and support you gave to my family and me. We had our share of both heartbreaking moments and thrilling game-winning drives, and it always felt like you were there next to me. It's especially hard to say goodbye because I can honestly say that I gave you everything I had every single day, in season, and in the off-season. It certainly wasn't perfect, but I hope that I was able to leave you with more than a great few great memories as a Raiders fan. In the past, Derek Carr said that he saw his career playing out where the Raiders would be the only team that he was ever going to play for. So if he wasn't playing for the Raiders, he was going to be retired. But if you keep reading through his note, it looks like that he acknowledges that, but still is not ready to retire from football. So he probably will be moving on to another team. And then in other kind of surprising, kind of not surprising news, Sean McVay, who is the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, is only 36 years old. I think he's still the youngest coach, the youngest head coach in the NFL. He is showing signs of burnout. He mentioned that he's considering stepping down from his head coach position. People are just losing their minds over because they're like, you have an amazing job. There's 32 head coaching spots and you have one of those. 
at the age of 36. But I truly believe, and this is also from personal experience, that just because you have a dream job and are good at it, it doesn't mean that you can't burn out. He has a very demanding job. He doesn't have a lot of free time. It's not like, it's not the average nine to five. Very much can get burnt out in that pace of a job. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can get burnt out if it's your third year in a job and you can get burnt out if it's your 15th year in the job. And just because it's a dream job and just because you're good at it doesn't mean that it can't be draining and taking it out of you. So I think it's totally fair for him to have these thoughts and consider stepping down. And whether that means it's because he wants to go into TV or he just wants to take a break, it's all fair. And I think that self-awareness says a lot about him. Plus, like I said, he did his job very well. So he was hired at age 30 in 2017, he was the youngest head coach in NFL history. He got them to the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl. Like that is absolutely huge. And a lot of times when you're in a very demanding job and you're very good at it and you're hitting those milestones, you're starting to have less and less to aspire to because you're all you've already hit the milestone. One of the things this reminds me of is when I talk about my future and what I see for my 30s and people are like, well, you should take advantage of being single in your 30s and because you can travel the world, you can live wherever you want, you can start your own business, you can switch jobs. And I'm like, dudes, I did that in my 20s. I moved six times in my 20s. I started a business in my 20s. I worked for myself full time at one point in my 20s for about two and a half, three years. I switched jobs. I had two dream jobs. I had my dream job of being an assistant buyer in Couture for Neiman Marcus. I had a dream job of working for Reward Style LTK. And I still got burnt out because you work so hard to get to those things, you hit the milestones. Yes, you're proud of yourself and you're glad that you got there, but then you worked so hard to get there that you are tired, you are burnout. Before I get any further into that rant, let's pivot to the NFL playoffs. Regular season is over, the playoffs are among us, the Super Bowl is coming up in like a month, it's gonna be in Arizona. Here are the teams, so in the AFC, so remember the playoffs, there's two conferences, and so there's a group from the AFC and then there's the group from the NFC. So this is who for the AFC. Number one, the Chiefs, two, Bills, three, Bengals, then we have the Jaguars, Chargers, Ravens, and Dolphins. And then from the NFC side, we have the Eagles, 49ers, Vikings, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Giants, and Seahawks. But before we go deep into the playoffs, we first have the NFL wildcard rounds. So the wildcard spots are for the teams that I listed that did not get eliminated. So in, they're in, but they need to win this game in order to continue to be contenders for the playoffs. These are going to be Saturday and Sunday games coming up. So on Saturday, we have the Seahawks playing the 49ers and the Chargers playing the Jaguars. Then on Sunday, we have three games, the Dolphins playing the Bills, Giants playing the Vikings, Ravens playing the Bengals. And then for Monday Night Football, we have one game, and that is going to be the Cowboys against the Buccaneers. On to college basketball. Last night's game, TCU against Texas, it was at Texas. TCU was up 18 the majority of the game, and then they just totally blew it at the end. It was so frustrating. So Texas ended up winning, which was really frustrating, especially when TCU was winning the whole game. Let's dive into the top 10 from the AP 25 poll. At number 10, we have Texas. So Texas played against TCU. They won. TCU was at 17. 
just as some background information. Number nine, we have Arizona. Eight, Gonzaga. Seven, UCLA. Six, Yukon. Five, Tennessee. Four, Alabama. Three, Purdue. Two, Kansas. And one, Houston. And then there are a few notable games coming up. So the first is Kansas State versus TCU. I'm not just saying that because I went to TCU, but Kansas State, K-State is at 11, is ranked 11 and TCU is 17. So that's a good top 25 game. And that's going to be on Saturday. Also on Saturday is number 14, Iowa State against number two, Kansas. On Sunday, we have 25 Marquette versus 12 Xavier. We love a Jesuit rivalry. On Tuesday, we have number two Kansas against 11 K-State, so that's another state rivalry. Well, Marquette Xavier isn't a state rivalry, just Jesuit rivalry. But yeah, KU, K-State, that'll be a great game. And then finally, another notable game that will be worth watching will be also on Tuesday, number 10 Texas against number 14 Iowa State. So there you have it. I'm sorry that the podcast is a day late, but it is here and ready for y'all. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe. You can also follow me on the Instagram, the TikTok, the YouTube, all the things. And I will be back Wednesday with a brand new episode. Have a great week, y'all.